All right, folks, happy Friday. We are right into it with the Hometown Hero presented by Marigolds, and we got Amy on the line. How are you doing this morning, Amy? I'm great. Happy Friday to you. I know. The sun's coming out. I love it. The weekend's upon us. And uh, tell the radio listeners a little bit about what you do. I am actually a fifth grade teacher at an elementary in um, the Wolf Ranch neighborhood uh, called Ranch Creek Elementary. Um, So I teach fifth grade all the subjects, math, reading, writing, science, social studies. Uh, We are an international baccalaureate school, so we're currently working on a really big project. That's great. Good for you. It's such an important job the teachers have you have such influence over the next generation and the these kids it's um it's unbelievable and you know to take the time to really invest in them is uh something that you know our community needs it's a big need so tell us a little bit how long you've been doing that well this is currently my 28th year of teaching so i've taught um second grade through fifth grade. Those are all the grade levels I've taught. I've always been in an elementary. I've only been in two elementaries in the Springs area. There you go. You must have a good good amount of patience. I try to. (laughs) If you've been doing it that long, you definitely have some patience. Some days may be better than other days. (laughs) That that is too funny, Amy. Well, hey, Marigolds and Cardio, we just want to Thank you for what you're doing in the community and, um, you know, making sure that next generation is educated and the impact you have on them. And so Mary Golds is going to reach out to you. They're going to take care of a dinner for you and a guest. And uh, just as just as a thank you for everything you do. Thank you so much. You got it, Amy. Have a great weekend. Okay. You too. Thanks. All right, folks, stick around. We're going to be back after these messages. We're talking with. Rob Amrine, he's the president of the FBB Group. All right, folks, we are back here with Rob with the FBB Group. He was just saying he's been in here five or six times, and I was telling him, yeah, I was probably in diapers when you when you first came in here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what do you well, think, Rob? <laughs> well, <laughs> can't address that, but uh, I, I'm glad to be here again. It's uh, good and uh, being able to uh, speak with Justin this morning. Yeah, and tell us a little a little bit about how long you guys have been in business and, you know, w- what you guys do overall because it is something that most people don't know about. That's right. And uh, in fact, I didn't know too much about it before I got involved. I've been uh, with uh the firm for 10 years now. I bought my first business in 2004 from a firm like ours. So so this has been quite a um journey to get to this point and uh our firm has been uh in in Colorado Springs and in Colorado since 1982, Ron Chernak founded the firm. And I uh, recently, in uh, 2021, the ownership was transitioned to me. So we are uh, going into a new phase and um, and continuing to uh, build on what has been built over the last 40 years. Yeah. What a time to take on a business, like right in the middle of COVID. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, uh, it, it, and it's a good time. I, I think it's a, it's a great time. COVID has shooken things up and reset some expectations and made I think people look at the basics of business again and, and the fundamentals. Yeah, and so, you know, you guys are located right down on Cascade. And if you're listening to this right now, you know, you own a business. This is what Rob helps you do. He helps you sell the business, and then you guys also help people sell the real estate with it as well. Right. Yeah, a lot of times uh, a lot of the owners have the real estate, uh, and that becomes a very attractive piece of the of the uh, transaction. 
with buyers. Uh, it, it helps hedge the risk. It helps them look at investment uh, lenders and banks like the real estate as well. So I'd, I'd say quite a few of our deals include the real estate as well. We all have real estate licenses in the state of Colorado and, um, you know, it works very well from that standpoint. We like to make sure that everybody has options. And if the buyer can't afford the real estate, maybe they can afford it down the road once they buy the business. Yeah. The owner can carry it for them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've heard you say before, a lot of the time it's somebody who's working at the company already that is your best candidate to to purchase the property from the owner. It, it can be. And we like to say, let's run the process and the right buyer comes through at the end. So yeah. a lot of times owners have someone in mind. It could be an internal buyer. It could be a family member. It could be could be an outside buyer that has approached them. But what we like to do is run the process and that works and ensures that that buyer, whoever it is, get, you get to the finish line. And a lot of times it can be an internal buyer, but a lot, too many times these owners only stick with that one option. And usually that, that can fail pretty quickly due to not being able to get financing or they just lose interest. You know, a lot of people want to own a business, but yeah. it's just a it's just an idea. They don't understand what it takes to get there. Yeah. Once you get in the seat, it's a little different. You said the business you bought was in 04? Yeah. My first business I bought was in 04. What was that? Um, it was a web design database company out of New Mexico that I moved up here. So- Okay, did yeah. you buy that through the FPB group? How no, did you no, get it was a it was a uh, firm, similar firm down in uh, New Mexico that I worked with, and and I had no idea what I was doing back then, yeah. so so I learned, you know, through through that process. And, Baptism by fire, huh? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes that's the best way. Hey, that's you know, a, you you can't you can't buy that type of experience. Yeah, you can't yeah. read a book, and right. and you know you got to get in there. And so, how did you end up? you know, getting involved with the FPB group then? Yeah. So, uh, Ron brought me on kind of this coming up about uh, over nine years ago and, uh, uh, felt that, you know, that I could, uh, come in and learn, learn the ropes and, and understand the process there. And that's what I really liked was that the process was set up and I could see a very, um, a ve- very good process that could work for helping sellers and buyers. And a lot of our buyers become our sellers, right? So this is a, a relationship building, uh, type platform and also, uh, making sure that the transition goes well in, in with small business. Yeah, and that's key. I mean, it really is, is you have to have the long-term relationship because, you know, a lot of these businesses, they last, you know, if they're successful, you're lasting 40, 50 years. It may be passing it on to the next generation. Is that something you're seeing more of now as the baby boomers are phasing out as their kids gaining interest? Yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a term co- coined the silver tsunami that uh, of all these baby boomers that are transitioning and of course, a lot of them have dreams of passing to the next generation. But what we're finding, as long as these, as long as the younger generation are saying, you know, I'm not interested. I, 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 I thought I was, but I'm not. So, so now they're they're realizing they need to look at other options. And that's why I mentioned earlier is that we like we like to keep all of our options open going through the process. And so, because a lot of times people change their minds, there's health issues, and just realizing that this is probably a little bit harder work than they realize in terms of running a business especially for those that have been 30, 40 years, those owners have been through the ups and downs. And a lot of times the the risk may be too high for those that they thought were going to transition to. Yeah. I mean, I, I will say, you know, we had gone through the pandemic and everything and um, things didn't get, they got tough, but there was a lot of money that was pumped into the economy. And now we're seeing the effects of that kind of the ripping off the band-aids and, you know, business owners are, you know, unfortunately, having to really make game plans and the next generation looking at it is it, times can get scary, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of the owners are just, they're, they're tired. They're burnt out. I mean, COVID really made things hard for a lot of people. Finding good labor, finding 
just getting through all that and then coming out on on the on on the good side of being able to make it through that in the first place but then also realizing that they're you know that takes a toll on a lot of owners so we're seeing a lot of them that are just ready to say okay we made it through that i don't want to go through another one yeah so. oh no exactly and i bet there's some businesses too who pivoted you saw them become very successful in other businesses who probably couldn't adjust during that time Right. Yeah, and that's and that the the, the uh, pandemic effect is really it's it, it was a good financial stress test for a lot of businesses. A lot of businesses flourished, and now they're not doing as well. So you have a decline, which is hard to 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 explain to buyers and lenders, and then others that just they it just took them out. You know, so um, so no it, sometimes no, no amount of level of PPP money or anything else was going to actually save the business. It was just kind of moving, kicking the can down the road, and. And, and inevitably, they had to they had to close the doors, and that was unfortunate. Uh, but that's that's just the reality of what we just went through. So those businesses that made it are are kind of kind of standing apart from the others that that have just kind of uh, gotten by. Yeah, what would you say were the industries you saw affected most um, that became more successful, and industries that really struggled during the pandemic? I, we you know we like to break up our businesses into what we call you know business to business B to B or B to C type type businesses. So the B to C businesses seem to do better during COVID um, and pandemic, but then have kind of reset. The B to B businesses seem to have been they're they're continuing to do well, right? And I think that has a lot to do. I know we're going to talk about it later, but inflation and interest rates have really affected the B to C, the consumer more, and those direct effects of those businesses. So those have been harder to to find buyers for um, versus the B2B businesses uh, such as HVAC companies and, and um, you know, we just closed on a drywall company. You know, th- those businesses are working with other businesses seem to be a little bit more protected from those changes that we've seen in the last couple of years. Yeah, they're a little bit more insulated and that's, you know, we're still seeing the growth. They got 4,000 units coming online of multifamily in the mm-hmm. downtown Calder Springs area and there's a lot of commercial development. So, um, it's not like things have come to a halt. It's just borrowing costs have become higher. And, um, you know, we saw that happen about eight months ago. And did you see a big effect on that with the borrowing costs? Are you seeing people go, hey, we're going to have the seller carry? Are, are there other creative options that are helping people really stay in the game with the higher rates? Yeah, the cost of capital has really driven people back a little bit because, you know, when, when the uh, interest rates started to go up, no one knew how much they're going to go up. So, Buyers basically backed off, and they said, "You know, we're we're not sure where this is going to end." As soon as they those started to basically tail off, and and we saw that with the with the Fed's interest rate changes, those started to really, you know, buyers started to come back in. So we've seen that hold off, and then now buyers are are coming back in pretty pretty strong. So. Uh, how about the last like couple of weeks? Because the interest rates took a hard jump up, the highest jump they made since November. Have you seen the effect on that, or has it really been, you know, things got more positive? When did things change change for you and you I, I, felt like buyers were jumping back in? I, I would say buyers just held off and they pushed into 2023. So that momentum is continuing. We've, we've had multiple closings in the last month. So things haven't really changed because it's kind of cresting in terms of what's going on. I, I was reading an article that the feds, there may be maybe a 0.25 a couple this year that's going to happen, but we're not going to see the 0.5, 0.75 that we had last year. Because yeah. the first half of last year was great, the second half was a real slowdown. So we're we're correcting again from last year, and uh, but there's plenty of buyers out there because they're getting used to these rates and understand there's good businesses still out there that that are that need to sell. Yeah, you got to adjust, and the you know the average home mortgage 
over the last 40 years is 8%. And, you know, in 82, when Carter was in, you had rates at 18%, 19%, right? And so it is tough for the next generation because we're so spoiled. We go, well, if I can't get a rate in the threes, what the heck's going on? Fours. And and so it's a return to really reality Mm -hmm. from the last 15 years where we saw rates artificially low. I think in 18, right before the pandemic hit, they were getting up higher and then they had to drop them all the way to the floor. You right. know, But right. would you say your business like real estate is so driven by the interest rate? Would you say it's highly driven by that? Or are there some businesses where you're going, you know, the seller can carry or if the real estate isn't involved, it's not as affected? Yeah, I think it's just, again, the buyers are getting used to rates doubling on, on an SBA, which goes up to five, you know, five million on, on a business purchase outside of real estate. I mean, you can add more on, on the real estate side, but the idea is that those rates have doubled in the last eight months. So mm-hmm. it went from 5% to say 10%. So that that caused buyers to come back. But a business that's doing, say, a million dollars in cash flow, the reality of that is that they're going to have to pay some more interest, but rates are probably going to come back down. These are usually 10 plus year loans. So they know they can either refinance or they can actually, the rates will come down because a lot of those are variable rates anyway. So yeah. so that's why I mentioned you know, they're, they're cresting. So buyers are saying, hey, it's not going to get much worse. Mm-hmm. So I can buy now and kind of write it back down a bit over the next couple of years. Yeah. They're feeling more comfortable with it. And, um, you know, talk a little bit about SBA because some of the radio listeners don't know what that term is, how it's different than, you know, most people are familiar with, Hey, I put 20% down on my house or I bought an investment property for yep. 20%. So explain how that how that works with the SBA. Yeah, SBA is a great program. As, as I mentioned, it goes up to $5 million in purchase price. So a business that's worth $5 million, that they, they will basically finance that. And usually it's between, you know, minimum is 10. We're seeing more like 15 or maybe even 20% down, depending on the deal, how much goodwill is in the business versus assets. And um, that's a great program because that allows you to uh, go through and put it probably minimum amount down on the business, get a good ROI as a buyer on that return on that cash flow that you're putting your money down for for that cash flow. So a million dollar business a year, you know, maybe would sell for say three or four million, maybe more in terms of a purchase price, but you're only putting down say half a million dollars for that business, right? So so you're getting immediate ROI on the business. And you're buying a business to grow it and continue to uh, build it. And so that becomes a great program. And, and I think, uh, you know, a lot of lenders, uh, people are still lending money on those. As long as you're, as long as you got good financials and a good mm-hmm. business that you're, that a buyer is looking at. And that's what we do is help those sellers get ready and, and, and pre-flight a lot of those deals with SBA. We also work with private equity groups and other type of private financing as well. But we, as I said earlier, we want to make sure we keep the options open and uh, make sure the buyer has everything they need to to be able to purchase the business. Yeah, so SBA sounds like, you know, the FHA version of purchasing a house, right? You're getting in for a, a minimal down, but there are requirements that go with that SBA loan. Yeah, there are requirements. Or it's not a, I wouldn't say it's an easy process, but uh, a lot of lenders we work with, they do a lot of just taking you through it, making sure you're going through all the check boxes and the, and the, and the hurdles there. But it, at the end of the day, it's a great vehicle for, for buying businesses. Yeah, and we talked about the interest rates going up, all these changes, and you know, you're know, you with a company, the FBB Group, that's been around, you said, 40? 40 plus years. 40 yep. plus years. So you've seen it, and that's the thing. You know, if you own your own business, folks, and you're curious about selling, you know, you, you just reach out to Rob. He will talk to you through these things, and they've seen all different markets. They've seen stuff up and down. It's not like they're going, 
we're five years in the business, we've experienced the gravy train and nothing else. Right, right. And the, the important thing about a business is not the trends in the economy that affects it, it's the trends in the business that affect its saleability. So the economy can be go up and down, but if the business has is up in a down market, it becomes a lot more attractive. Now, if the business is down in a down market, that those trends couple together, and it may not be a good time to sell. And we've had to say that to quite a few owners where now is just not a good time. You'd be leaving quite a bit of money on the table, and let's wait for your trends to come back in the business uh, and then look at it again in yeah. another, another couple, you know, year or two. Weather the storm, yeah. Right. Folks, we're talking with Rob Ammer, and he's the president of the FBB Group. They're located right down on Cascade. ABC News is going to chime in, and then we'll be right back here on The Extra. Hey, folks, thanks for sticking with us. We're talking with Rob Ammer here with the FBB Group. Been in business a long time. They're helping you as a business owner sell, make that transition. We talked about how there's a ton of baby boomers out there, and um, I love it because Rob's got this – you know, positive attitude in here. I'm trying to bring them down saying we're going into a recession. And Rob's going, Justin, we already went, we went through it. And you're seeing, you know, people really positive on the business side, which is great because I work in real estate and people aren't as positive right now. Um, but you're seeing, Hey, we're having closings. We're seeing good activity. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I, and as we were talking um, offline, I mean, the, the sensitivity to rates um, is not the same for business transactions, right? It's it's more of there's so many other nuances of you know the numbers got to work, the the debt service has got to be there, everything else, but it really needs to make sense. And there, there's also a lot of the intangibles. There, there's a culture. There's there's kind of uh, I like to say we're kind of the match.com between buyers and sellers, and really finding a good fit for that transition, right? For and whether it be internal to to people that are already working in the business or to uh, buyers. You know, we have a database of about 3,000 active buyers. We get hit up every day for buyers looking for a specific type of company. So we track all that. And so when someone comes, when a seller comes in, we, we can basically start matching to to literally, uh, you know, a couple hundred buyers that have said, they've raised their hands and said, hey, I'm looking for something like this that we can start, uh, you know, kind of working towards. And and then, of course, we don't, we just don't stop there. We look at other um, you know, a- avenues, you know, you know, on online, everything else for attracting buyers to businesses. Yeah. But it sounds like a lot of it's still old school, which is great because for normal residential real estate, you know, a lot of it's just taking pictures. You put it on the web and see who comes, but you're working internally. It feels like a lot more, you have a database and you, you, I mean, you're probably the only ones here in the Springs who really do it. Or if there's others, you guys probably have the biggest, the biggest presence, I would say. Well, yeah, and there are others, um, and uh, we like to, you know, we, we're we're here in the Springs. We have an office in Denver as well, so we work all over okay, Colorado, um, up and down the Front Range. Uh, we we have a, a company representing in Boulder right now. We have we've done deals in Fort Collins, and we've done deals in fifteen different states because these these sellers a lot of times they'll sell a business, go create another one, and then they'll call us back for the transaction. So you know, we have to when there's real estate involved, we have to be careful with real estate law in different mm-hmm. states. But um, from the from the most part, the business side. You know that's what we're all about. You know we're we're basically trying to help them get that business ready to sell, and use and sometimes that's a that's a you know three to five year process. It's not something you just come in and like you were mentioning like real estate. You just don't take a bunch of pictures, put a sign in the front yard, <laughs> yeah. and say hey, I'm for sale, right? So so we're we're getting those businesses ready, and uh, you know it, it's you know on average probably a couple of years to get a business ready to sell to maximize the value of what they're going to get on the market. Yeah, totally different ball game. I mean. Um, you know, sometimes people think commercial, oh, you know, you just go look on LoopNet, you find something you like. But, you know, when you're dealing with serious people, you got to 
a lot of the time have those people in your pocket already have that database of people and saying, Hey, this person wants to sell dry cleaning business. We got like 10 people who've been asking for when that pops up to reach out to them. Right. Right. Exactly. And it's, um, and it's more so of, of, you know, the size of business matters too, right? Uh, Dry cleaning, you know, they're usually pretty small selling under a million dollars, but you know, our average deal size is a couple million up to maybe 10, 15 million and the idea is that you know buyers want maybe want something in the industry, but they have certain cash flow requirements too. I was just talking to a buyer this past week that had you know wanted a minimum of three hundred thousand dollars of cash flow, up to say a million dollars in cash flow for the business that he's looking for. And so we we track all that, right? So you kind of have a cross section of these industries and what buyers are looking for. So there's there really is a lot of work to kind of get that together and go after a targeted group of buyers. That's great. And if folks want to get a hold of you, what's good contact information? Uh, I would say go go to our website. It's uh, fbb.com. So one, one of the shortest uh, uh, domains out there. You, know. <laughs> right. you guys uh, paid so, a lot for that uh, or did you well, get it for a penny? Well, <laughs> <laughs> I, we, we own it, but um, uh, it's, of course, back in the day. that the, So FBB uh, is just a little bit of history is is uh, short for first business broker. So that's a good way to remember it. We don't call ourselves that. It's called the FBB group now. Mm-hmm. Um, a little more nuanced, but um, yeah, F- FBB.com. So first, first business brokers, FBB.com. All right, folks, we're going to keep Rob around here going to the next segment. We're going to talk about what he's foreseeing for this year, possibly next year. And uh, he's going to get his crystal ball out here and uh, help us out. We'll be right back after these messages. All right, folks, thanks for sticking with us. Uh, we were just chatting a little bit during the break, and uh, Rob was met, giving me an example of somebody who had a W-2 job and then was looking to uh, get some income on the side. You know, it's kind of sort of a side hustle, and um, that may be something that, you know, you're thinking about is, hey, how can I diversify my income? Um, you know, can I start something else out? And, you know, reaching out to Rob really may be the first step because they have a bunch of businesses and saying, how involved do you want to be? Are you just looking for strictly passive? How much do you want to put down? Um, what type of investment are you looking to get back? But um, you just gave me a great example of someone who's going, hey, I'm 50 and I want to make a, a push here to do do something else. Right. Yeah. And I think um, it's that safety net of the W-2 job. I think a lot of buyers are are in there, but but most buyers I talk to are are looking. They they want to jump out. They realize they're kind of they're kind of up against a ceiling from from a corporate standpoint and wherever they're at. And buying a business versus starting a business is a lot less risky, right? Because you're you're buying into cash flow, you're buying into client list and reputation and goodwill and all these other things that are take years to establish, right? So it's more of a, you know, I, I think it's actually better. And, and having done this myself, I put myself as I'm better one to buy a business and then grow it than try to start something from scratch and take on all that risk and hope it works out. And now there are people that do that, right? Uh, there's nothing wrong with that, but the, by by and large, a lot of those fail. And so by buying a business and growing it, that seems to be, it's it's less risky for buyers, but it's also something that um, that sellers get paid for the value of their business. And, and that's our job is to maximize that and make sure the transition goes well. So as the example was that, you know, you buy a good business, you know, buyers are going to pay what it's worth now, not what it's going mm-hmm. to be worth. Yep. So so that's where we we uh, sometimes are the bearer of bad news from the standpoint of, you know, the uh, client thinks their business is worth millions of dollars or say it's worth 10 million when it's maybe worth 5 million. Yeah. It's like and going so, into trade in your car, right? You're like, this car's worth a ton. They're yeah. like, no, nah, it's not, sir. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a, you know, it's unique. Well, of course it's unique, but what uh, what do what do the what does the cash flow stay right? You know, yeah. when people talk about the name and the name recognition and all the 
all the great customers they have. Well, that's all the goodwill, right? Mm-hmm. That, but that needs to show up in the numbers. That needs to show up in the net income and the cash flow from a business. You know, so if you have a lot, you think you have a lot of goodwill in your business, and the cash flow doesn't reflect that. What what are buyers buying? Right. Yeah. So so that's where that's where we're trying to make sure that we can get get both to the table and have a a uh, you know a, a equitable discussion on that on what what is the value of the business and of course push that to the higher end as much as we can with the nuances of the business and the timing and and the process that we run. Yeah, it's like saying, hey, I have a great rental property. And you go, well, let me see your figures. How much are you netting? And you're like, well, it's got great views. Yeah, but right. it doesn't make any money. But the views are great, and you're going. I got it, but you know you got to have some proof to the pudding here, really. Right. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Yeah, and and you're searching for that one in a thousand that will agree with you and pay your premium on the good views versus mm-hmm. the most of them are going to look at their numbers. You know, a lot of buyers go to their accountant. You know, we just had a guy uh, look at a business this past week. Love the business. You could tell he wants to buy the business. He went to his accountant. The accountant said, "Hey, we think it's worth this, right?" Versus what they're asking for. Well, now we've got some work to do because the account, they're going to go to their advisors. So if the numbers are not there or there's a decline in the numbers, that really hurts the, um, the, the seller's chances of really getting that value out of the business. Because with the decline, where, where does the decline stop? Yeah. On an incline, now you're in a good strength, you know, strong position to sell. And, and, and that's a good, good negotiation, uh, p- part of the process of negotiation that will help you in, in driving the value of the business. Yeah. And it's fun too. I mean, you know, the real estate show I do, we talk about passive income, buying rental properties, and this is just another avenue to do it. And to really even protect yourself, you know, having your different buckets, whether it be your 401k, a rental property, you know, your Roth, um, this could be another bucket where you're saying, Hey, like I'm diversifying and I have a business where I'm getting tax shelters. And you know what, if the rental rates go down or that's affected, then I got this other bucket over here where I got a business going on the side. And the more you can diversify, the better, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I would say too, is a lot of, there are businesses that we call owner operator businesses where it's dependent on the owner. So, so you need someone that comes in that then maybe quits their W2 job that comes over and actually is the owner operator. There are other businesses where the owners have successfully built themselves out and that's more, more of that they can kind of run on its own. Now, even those businesses, you have to be careful. There has to be some level of oversight or management. And so we, we try to help kind of put the expectations in place of what that's going to look like. And um, but, but for most part, most businesses are being run by the owner-operator. If you get into bigger businesses that are a couple million dollars in EBITDA, that, that becomes more of a management team that's running it. And, uh, and, that, and that's a good place to be as well. But sometimes those can be very dependent on the owner as well, right? So, so we try to make those adjustments and say, well, how much, how much is the new buyer going to have to work, right? What, what do they have to do? Who do you have to replace in the business in order to make the transition work? Yeah, and you lo- you see a lot of successful businesses, and the owners are there all the time. I think that's why Chick Fil A they re- require it. If you're going to own a Chick Fil A, you have to have, be working there a certain amount of hours. Right, right. Can't be a side hustle. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Because there's there's certain businesses like that where it is very you know owner involved, and then you mention other businesses where you can be a little bit more hands off to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the goal, I think, for any business owner is to build themselves out, right? The, the more the business le- relies less on you on a day-to-day base, basis, the more valuable it will be, right? I mean, if, if, I mean, what you know, look at a buyer's perspective. Does he want A buyer doesn't want to work 80-hour weeks if you're yeah. working that, right, as an owner. But if you're working maybe 20 hours a week, that's attractive. So now those are the nuances that don't really show up in the numbers as much. You know, profitability, the net income statements may be the same, but one that's working 20 hours a week versus 80, which one's going to be more valuable? 
right? Exactly. Yep. Yeah. And it just depends that buyer, how involved they want to be. But most people, I'd say 80 hours a week is is a lot. So there's going to be less value there probably than somebody has to be a little bit less involved. And it depends, I guess, you know, if they're trying to keep their W-2 job and get something else going, if they're going, hey, I really want to jump in the deep end and, you know, yeah, totally be involved. They may be looking at going, hey, it's a ton of hours a week. Doesn't bother me. Yeah. And most, I mean, I would say most people don't want to buy a job, right? Yeah. They want to buy a business. They want to buy something that has running, that has employees. That's mm-hmm. that's another thing, the tight labor market. Having employees, W-2 employees, 1099s are, are okay, but they're, they're a little more risky, right, in this market. So having those W-2 employees is much more valuable than it was, say, you know, prior to the pandemic to 2020 or whatever, because back then, it was easier to hire people. Yeah. Now, you know, you talk to, we talk to, especially contract businesses, you know, they, they, they'll tell us all the time, we could grow the business if we just find the people to work. So those businesses are trying to grow. They may be looking for, say, electrical contractor or a plumbing company or someone else that basically they can add to their business and they can get the employees along with it because they can't grow without hiring employees. They can't find them. So maybe they're willing to buy a business to do that. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. You know, I, I know a gentleman who works for El Paso County on the road services, and he said we're operating at like fifty percent because somebody has their CDL, they can make more somewhere else, and then they leave. And it's definitely something you're seeing in all businesses: is can you get people in, and then number one, can you get them to to stay, right? Yeah. And number two, can you keep affording, you know, the the pay to keep them around? Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you know? And you got to pay them well. And, and I think that goes to a point of a lot of owners because of, because of the pandemic, because how hard things have been, they're burnt out a bit. The owners are burnt out. They've had the business for 20, 30, 40 years. And so now they're kind of, you know, they're, they're, just, they're just done, you know, from that standpoint. So the, the, the labor challenges are just making things worse for them, right? They can't, they can't keep people enough for, for them to keep them around. Now, you take a new owner that comes in that's maybe, you know, younger, has the energy and the passion and also has a kind of a different perspective to grow the business. They would do well to attract new labor, right, from that standpoint, because that's what, you know, it's a younger yeah. and younger labor force mm-hmm. versus someone that's been running for 40 years that that is kind of, you know, just kind of slowing down, right? And they've lost kind of their passion for the business. And so we try to look for that. We try to look for, for owners that are that are really done. I think smart owners understand when they're done and they don't just, you know, hold on to it for years just because they're making money. They realize they need to sell now before they get too burnt out and they that starts to adversely affect their their business and the employees. Yeah, how do they want to phase out? And that's something you guys probably talk with people like five, ten years before they're even looking to sell sometimes and saying, Hey, how do we properly really progress this? And um, making a game plan is what we always talk about with people when it comes to even like real estate. And with yours, the game plan we we alluded to it has to be much more thorough and much more thought out than hey I'm going to sell my house and take some pictures and put it up on the internet and see if right. somebody wants to buy it it's how do I make sure my numbers are right and that that things are going to work so I'm not going okay I need to sell my business this year I'm going to call Rob and he's going oh we got a lot of legwork to do here right right yeah and we and and that's what we we hate to see is owners that aren't prepared and then they have to sell for whatever reason health events um, there's other things that happen that forces them to sell. So if they had prepared for that early on, they've been ready. And um, and unfortunately, and, that, and that's why we try. That's why we're doing things like this and trying to get get the word out to say, hey, yeah. look at this before you have to look at it. And you know, I I really like to hear when sellers say, I'll ask a question. Well, when do you have to sell by? Well, we don't have to sell for another year or two. 
great because that way, you know, there are sharks out there and they can smell the blood in the water. Right. But if you don't have to sell, you're not, you're not, you know, you're doing what's best for your employees. You're doing what's best for you and your family to build it, to keep that value in the business and not being forced into something that really is more of a fire sale or liquidation that, that nobody wants. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just, you know, if you're, if you're going to be forced to sell and you haven't been able to prepare for it, it could, you could be leaving a, a million on the table, half oh. a million depends on the Easy. size of the business. And it's just the lack of preparation, almost like doing your will. Right, right Ron? Yeah, exactly. It's uh, Planning is there. We, we like to say plan, but we are an event-driven business. Things happen that you just don't know. Pandemic is one of them, and that's really really shook things up you know, for, for people's expectations before the pandemic, I would get, I would hear more and more people saying, well, I'll just hold on to the business for three to five more years and make the same amount of money as I yeah. would sell it for. Well, that's changed a lot now. You don't know what's going to happen. So, so if you're be, if you're burnt out or if you're at that point where you can retire and, and you have the money to do that, then I would say, well, why aren't you? And, and I've, I've gone back to some of my clients before that held on what we probably think is too long. And they, they said, "Yeah, I I was I was just making great money, and I, but I was taking on too much risk yeah. of doing that. Key employees can leave, you know. It's uh, vendors can change, you know. We we just saw COVID just shook up everything to realize that hey, things are not as certain as we thought they were. So so we need to be a, you know be be better planners when things do come in, and we and you need to move forward on something." Yeah, there you go. I need to get glasses, by the way, because I'm looking at this and I'm going, I can barely see the time on it. I was panicking going, oh, it's over. And then we actually had a minute left there. Okay. So boy, I'm starting to feel that older age. <laughs> anyway, um, Rob, give the contact info one more time. Uh, yeah, I would just say easy. Uh, our, our website, fbb.com. And uh, on there, you can, um, you know, you can see our team. You can see uh, everyone. Uh, that in a lot of articles too, just, just, we like to educate. We like to just get a word out. We have a monthly update. You can sign up for that every month. And, uh, and of course, give us a call and we'd lo- we'd love to just have a conversation. doesn't cost anything to talk to us. I tell the sellers, you know, we're, we're not, we're not about trying to get people into contracts. We're about trying to help them first. Yeah. And then if it makes sense, great. You know, we want to of course help and, and, and move forward. But if it, if it doesn't make sense, then, then we know that and we can, uh, we can address that or maybe it's just not the right time. So, uh, buyers and sellers. There you go. Rob, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thank you, Justin. Appreciate it. All right, folks, that's it for the extra. You got Tom Martino joining you next.